say you. Yes, you. Thanks for tuning in to the Healthy, Wild, and Free podcast. My name is David Benjamin. I'm your host and the founder of HealthyWildAndFree.com. If you're like me, you understand that health, the mind, body, spirit, heart connection, and living a green, eco-friendly, sustainable lifestyle are some of the most valuable and life-enhancing lessons that we can learn and pass on to our children to live happy and abundant lives. That's why this podcast was created, to help you grow in these areas. If you aren't already subscribed to the newsletter, go to HealthyWildAndFree.com, click the box at the top right-hand corner to get a free copy of our latest ebook, and you will be subscribed to be notified about future podcasts. Thanks for subscribing and tuning in. Enjoy. Hello, podcast listeners. This is David Benjamin, your host of the Healthy, Wild, and Free podcast. I'm really excited today to uh, bring this podcast to you because it's around a topic that I'm I'm really curious about, really interested in, and uh, it's just really interesting information. So today we have David Kane on the show. Uh, I met David um, probably about a month or so ago at the Awaken Empowered Expo in uh, Detroit, Michigan. And uh, when I met him at the at the event, um, he was talking about enormous goals and the enormous kind of health value of it and uh, just how unique and distinct and different it is and really the value behind it. So um, David Kane and his wife, Riki, are co-owners of Humana Gold, conducting groundbreaking research focused on ormic materials. David has an extensive background in diagnosing and troubleshooting technical and mechanical problems, especially in the aircraft and automotive industries. His technical background combined with a curious and skeptical mindset led him to his interest in ormic gold its health protocols, and effect on our bodies. He was able to use Ormus to completely relieve chronic back pain he had suffered with for many years. We're gonna, I definitely got to remember to ask him about that. Uh, his research shows that Ormic state materials comprise 5% of the dry weight of the human brain and nervous system, and most likely the rest of us as well. Ormic materials can be regarded as a fifth state of matter with solids, liquids, gases, and plasma comprising the other four states. There have now been 42 elemental ormic materials isolated, and David and his wife believe they will likely run uh, most of the spectrum, most of the spectrum of this periodic table. I'm going to bring him on the call right now. And uh, David, are you there? Yes, sir. Hey, how you doing tonight? Oh, pretty good. Thank you so much for joining us. I, I really appreciate your time and uh, yeah, being willing to share this information with us. My um, pleasure. To start, to start the interview, one one kind of question I always ask the guests I have on my podcast is, how did you kind of initially get interested in in Ormus Gold and its its application for um, you know health and wellness and and what it can do for for our minds, bodies, and spirits? Well, our our original um, introduction to this was uh, an article on white powder gold in Nexus magazine about ten years ago. And uh, that's sort of, it's an Australian kind of on-the-edge magazine. And um read the article. It was a very interesting article, very well done. It raised probably more questions than answers, and it just got me thinking about this. And it was one of those curious things that, I don't know if it's happened to you, but you end up thinking about this for the next two or three months, and it's like, why does this keep coming back up, you know? So then we started to, you know, dig into it a little bit, and... uh come up with David Hudson's lectures from back in the 90s and um, Barry Carter and uh, various other people that had worked with this material and uh, 
you know, we ended up signing up and taking uh, going to a talk, first of all, and then uh, going to a course to learn more about it. And that kind of just set us off because uh, both Ricky and myself had read the same articles, um, unbeknownst to each other. We didn't know each other originally back then. So mm-hmm. off we went from there, and now it's been uh, about seven years that we've been working with this stuff. Very cool. And I'm, I'm sure you've learned a lot in seven years about Honest Gold, right? <laughs> well, yeah, and it's um, about so many other things because it crosses into so many different avenues of our, just of our existence, of, of our day-to-day life, and of, of how we, we do things, you know, and it's led to some very interesting understandings about our, our physiology, which, uh, you know, has never been talked about, never heard about it in the conventional medical practice or anything, you know. Mm-hmm. So you get bits and pieces of it, but without that focal point, you know, they, they don't make sense. I mean, um, little things like, well, your vitamins and your minerals, and they tell us, well, we need iron, we need magnesium, we need all these things, and then they'll give you, um, you know, over-the-counter additives with the metals in them. And um, what we actually need is the ormic form of the metals. It's the white powder form of the metals, the biological thing, the different state of matter other than the metal. But, uh, you know, they can be used for a source or plant materials and so on. But uh, Mm -hmm. that's what we require. And our digestive system actually has the mechanism to create these it changes it from a metal to an ormic material in our own physiology so you know that's one of the things that we found out since we've been you know working with these materials so so for someone who's not really familiar with ormus gold and hasn't heard about it before how would you kind of describe uh ormus gold to someone who's not familiar with it well ormus gold uh for example is the it's the fifth state of matter of gold. You can actually take pure gold and you can do a chemical process on it. This is what Hudson patented. And you can produce a white powder from the metallic gold with no other substances involved. And then you can use it as an ingestible. But the material itself made from gold is actually an anti-magnetic powder. And gold has no magnetic properties in its metallic state. So it's the biological state of gold or the biological state of copper or rhodium or or whatever. There's this other state of matter that nobody seems to investigate, you know. Hmm. So, so basically, <laughs> for example, kind of like water, for example, you know, you have you have a block of ice and, you know, you have to wait for that ice to melt to, to drink the water. Kind of, it's similar with gold. You have a, a you know a bar of gold, if you will, but then the, the ormic state is what allows you to actually ingest that gold and, and to receive uh, yeah. health benefits from it. Yeah. See, what we think is like um, there, there's six inert gases, which are um, what xenon, krypton, neon, radon. These gases all have full electron valence bonding rings. They have no extras. They have no shortage. So these materials don't chemically bond with other substances. And what we think is going on here is when you achieve the ormic state of gold, you have reached the neutral state of gold, wherein it has altered its 
bonding rings to the point that it is chemically neutral. It will not bond with other materials in the white powder state. But that said, it is necessary for us because it's part of our physical construction. And mm -hmm. when we have these materials in their proper amounts, they seem to work in the internal communication systems of our bodies. It's something like the telephone poles supporting the communication line. They're not actually part of the communication, but they need to be there. So okay. in, in that sort of a, a construct, that's how this stuff works. So it doesn't get consumed like um, other chemicals because these chemicals, they're not, they're not interactive, but they are part of the communication system. Hmm. Uh, a lot of, I mean, for me, I've, I've known about Owens Golds for only a few years now, um, but I, I'm sure a lot of people in the audience, this is completely new to them, or they uh, don't really know the history of Ormus Gold. Uh, so, so my question would be, is there any history to Ormus Gold, and is there kind of, was there a culture that, that actually used this within their kind of day-to-day -day lives? Well, it, it's looking like there's a very ancient history to Ormus Gold. Um, you know, if, if people are listening and then they need some notes, there's a, a video by a gentleman named Lawrence Gardner, and uh, he investigated some of the archaeological past and so on, and his video is called uh, Lost Secrets of the Sacred Ark. And it, it's an hour long, quite interesting, and he explores... Um, Ormus, or what they called white powder gold in the time of the Egyptians, and it actually shows up in quite a number of the Egyptian frescoes. Um, more recently, in our Bible, uh, whenever they gave Jesus frankincense, myrrh, and gold, we believe that they gave him white powder gold. We don't think they gave a, a nice little kid a gold brick, you know? It doesn't make much sense. Um, hmm. Subsequent to that was... Uh, when um, um, uh, Moses went up the mount to collect the tablets, it says that the Israelites collected all their gold together, they fashioned a golden calf, and they were worshipping it. When Moses came down the mount, it says in exactly in Exodus 32, verse 20, it says Moses smashed the calf, he burnt the calf to a powder, he strewed the powder in the water and made the Israelites drink it. So Moses wow. being, yeah, well, Moses was raised by the Egyptian royal family, and the royal families of Egypt and their priests were taught these alchemical lessons uh, when they were growing up. So they were all well-versed in this. Moses seemed to be at loggerheads because he was, you know, divulging sacred information to people other than the Egyptians. So, you know, but I mean, it's there. It's in... in black and white and if you take it literally as it's written it makes sense i think the catholic concordance calls it a punishment but then there's no explanations of who was punished and how it worked or anything you know so it's just a conclusion someone drew that doesn't make literal sense you know mm -hmm. so there, there, there's a lot of other references to here and there and in, in a lot of the ancient texts Hmm. That's really interesting. I know, uh, I believe with uh, Egypt, there's kind of a, that's kind of where alchemy was kind of a big, kind of started to some degree, correct? Well, yeah. Um, I think today the word alchemy is sort of largely misunderstood because um, 
the seven princes of principles of alchemy were um it was just a way of looking at the world it was an explanation of everything you know just like the the bible is an explanation of everything or numerology is an explanation of everything but through a different perspective you know so um that's essentially what alchemy was how it got convoluted to today where they're saying oh you can it's supposed to be able to turn uh, you know lead into gold or something like that i think it got off base because i think originally people understood that the gold of life was the ormus gold the white powder gold you know and um when you take some of this this product and give the tiniest little bit of it to your your plants you see just incredible responses and pets the same thing you know just amazing responses and pets and plants basically circum you know they circumvent the whole placebo effect so Mm-hmm. It's interesting to to see and to watch. You know, mm-hmm. so. Have have you seen? Uh, have there been any uh, study scientific studies done on kind of the effects of ormus gold on on the human body? Very very little. Um, again, because it's got this social shun where they either call it, uh, you know, alchemy, which uh, technically doesn't exist to conventional science, or um, you know, people that have found significant results along, you know, these lines of investigation invariably are kind of shunned to the ex, you know, to the extreme outside of the, you know, the conventional teaching protocols. Um, you know, and and when you're in the extreme outside and you do your work and you believe in what you're doing, you can't get your funding, you can't do this, you can't do that. Um, like Robert Robert Becker that wrote the book uh, The Body Electric. He was studying, um, you know, cellular regeneration and so on. He started in 1939, spent most of his career doing this, but he was on the outside edge of things, and he always had trouble getting funding, places to work, um, you know, things like that. So unless you follow the status quo, it's very difficult to uh, get support for anything that isn't mainstream. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so there really haven't... They really haven't researched it then. Traditional uh, science kind of doesn't. Not not a lot. There's been some marginal things. Um, when David Hudson was uh, working with this stuff in the 90s and that, I believe there was um, some studies done in Holland with a quarter of a million chickens, and they had extremely tiny amounts added to the food supply of the chickens. And um, they found some interesting things. They found their their weights increased they found that there was an 85% reduction in, um, you know, one of the afflictions that chickens get. I mean, I'm not well-versed on chickens, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, so there there was a a study done on that. There's been uh, some arbitrary studies done on adding ormus to plants or um, one of the processes for releasing ormic materials is to uh, magnetically treat waters. And certain types of waters have high amounts of ormus in it. Once they're magnetically treated and applied to crops, you see increased yields in um, in crops with decreased use of water and improved health and improved size. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, it, it's getting out there, but uh, you know, it takes time. And because you're going against the uh, you know the conventional system, it's like you're always paddling upstream. You know. Right. 
So for you, when you kind of first discovered Owner's Gold, did you start using it right away and, and see see some differences? Well, um, the very first time that, that I used some Ormus Gold, we'd been reading about it, and Barry Carter was coming to Toronto to do a, a lecture. And uh, we went down and we listened to him, and there was someone there that had some Ormus Gold. So I bought a bottle. I thought, geez, got to try this stuff out. And uh, I took a teaspoonful of that, I guess, around 9 or 10 o'clock that night on our way home. And... Um, you know, normally I would dream in color, and that night it just shifted into super high-definition, you know, three-dimensional textured color. It was just fantastic. So, I mean, I knew there's something going on here. And, um, you know, so we, we took it for a while, and at that point we'd signed up with uh, a two-day workshop that Barry was doing in Cambridge, Ontario. So we went to that, and um, so I'd had Ormus on the Wednesday night, the Thursday night and the Friday night we were in the hotel because the course started at 8 o'clock in the morning. And uh, at the time, you know, I, I at that time I had a lower back problem for 27 years. And it was always the L4-5, the disc would move, you'd have a lot of pain, the sciatic nerves and so on. So my routine for a long, long time had been a very, very hot shower at night, lie down five minutes on the bed, relax and then put one leg over the other, push down on the hip and try and pop that little bit of space back into the L4-5. But um, that night, which was my third night that I took the Ormus, I did my routine and my whole back went like a zipper. There was probably, I don't even know, 25 or 30 cracks came out of my back and uh, the pain was completely gone and it's now almost seven years and I've had no back problems. And then we've seen the same results with... um, Oh, early on with seven other people, ranged from, uh, I guess, about 35 years old up to uh, an 80-year-old minister. And uh, yeah, it was nice to, nice to see, but everybody was getting the same thing. So after a while, when you see the same result, I mean, we started to realize it looks like the addition of these materials seems to allow our communication system to work a little more efficiently and when you go to bed at night because your messaging is working where it should be you simply decompress the way you're supposed to we compress during the day you should decompress at night if the messaging is impaired that doesn't happen and then you start the next day with a loaded back so anyway that was years ago but since then we've seen oh probably into the hundreds of people that have had significant back improvements hmm. So, so for so for you, it was really good for you know your back pain and and that kind of thing, and then obviously uh, yeah. enhancing your dreams. What as far as dreams is concerned, do you know the the kind of link to to more vivid dreams? Why why that happens? Well, again, you know it's hard exactly to be sure, but I think when our internal material system, our physical material system is as close as we can get it to where it should be. Things just work. I believe that's probably the way that we should be working and that essentially we're all working in deficit because of uh, you know, everything from the contamination to the electromagnetics, et cetera, et cetera, are all taking away from us. You know, even our food isn't contributing what it should be because it's, uh, you know, the purpose of almost all the food we eat now is to make money for somebody rather than to provide health for the individual eating it. 
So, I mean, you know, if things are working right, you know, I think that's all this is doing. It's a material that's helping to bring our systems back a little bit closer to where they actually should be. And then you start mm-hmm. to see all sorts of effects because the, the changes go right across the board. I mean, there, there's no reasonable thing. For, for example, if someone is dehydrated, they may show 20 or 30 different symptoms. But as soon as they get the water that they require, all of those differing symptoms go away. The Ormus materials seem to have the same sort of effect because if you're short of these, you demonstrate many, many different uh, symptoms. Um, we mix Ormus with magnesium oil, and we just apply that across your forehead. With the, well, at the show where we met you um, in Detroit there, we must have had 30 people come by our booth that had headaches and would simply apply this stuff from temple to temple across their forehead, and you could actually watch them in three or four minutes just brightening up. The headache was disappearing and melting away, you know. And um, we had people come back a couple of times, you know, for a second application. We saw people getting rid of migraines they'd had for years. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on here. And uh, all we try to do is create enough awareness and hopefully get the right person interested in the right place that can start bringing this into the mainstream, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, get some money behind it because this is something needs looked at. Mm-hmm. What well, beyond uh, you know headaches, uh, kind of back pain, or any other type of pain or kind of tension within the body? Um, what what other kind of uh, results have you seen from people taking from Omnix Gold? Oh my goodness, there's a lot. Um, the Ormus magnesium oil, we've watched um, arthritic bent and twisted fingers and giant knuckles. We've watched all that evaporating within a couple of weeks. That's making very significant changes. Uh, wow. It's just coming back to normal. Um, six weeks ago, we did an outdoor location here in Ontario, and there was a lot of wasps around. And uh, one got into Ricky's coffee, so she ended up drinking this wasp that stung her inside her lip. And uh, she thought, this is going to be great. Here I am selling a health product, and I'm going to look like what? You know, so she put some of that on the inside on the sting, and within five minutes the pain was gone and the swelling never occurred. So uh, later that day, she told a few people, and later that day they brought a girl over that had stung the back of her hand, like sort of at the outside, so their two last fingers were all swelled up and the back of the hand was swelled up. And she put some of this on the sting, and told her to come back in another 20 minutes or so, and we'll have a look at it again. When she came back in 20 minutes, same thing. She said the pain had stopped, and all of the swelling that was already there wasn't there. It was gone. So, I mean, this was completely brand-new, first-hand experience. Um, We've had people call us back from uh, all different places. A lady in Chicago wrote us back that she started using it on her psoriasis, and that was cleared up within about two or three weeks. And that was after 20 years. Had another lady from Ireland, same thing. Um, had another another lady in Australia decided to put the spray this stuff on her hands and put it on her face. And within a month, her lifelong acne had disappeared. And by the end of the second month, she said some of the original scarring appeared to be disappearing. So, you know, it's um, how many things do we end up getting afflicted by 
that are simply side effects of actual nutritional shortages. I think what happens too with the headaches, they just they just disappear. You know, um, we had one occasion where uh, one of the one of our friends in California uh, got a call from a family that had, um, I guess, the, the mother had had a stroke on a Monday, and they took her into the hospital, and uh, she was there four days, and. Um, you know, they got a hold of, uh, of this fellow that makes uh, Ormus out there, and he's a very spiritual man. But anyway, he said there's nothing he can do in the hospital. If they can get her home, he'll come and see her. So they did. They got her home on the Friday afternoon. He went over on Friday night, and he gave her a tablespoon of the ingestible Ormus. He prayed with her, and he spent 20 minutes massaging the Ormus magnesium oil into her head thoroughly. And this was at 8 o'clock, so he went home around, I guess, another little while later. And the, the, her symptoms of the stroke were the loss of speech and the loss of the right side use of her body. So he went home, and at 10 o'clock, she phoned him, and she was speaking again, and her right side was back again. That's where we got the idea for trying this stuff out on headaches. And honest to God, this stuff just works in minutes. It's... Um, quite surprising hmm. is there any have you uh, seen anything done with in regards to EMFs electromagnetic frequencies and how Ormus Gold would uh, help to kind of combat that in any way yeah actually quite a lot um, what got us interested in that is one of the curiosities of the ingestible Ormus is, is that if you get a burn you can apply this material to the burn and the pain stops instantly. So we had a lady that knew this. This was about five years ago. And she got a burn, went to the bedroom, got her ormus and put it on the burn and it didn't do anything. So she called us and once we got talking for a while, um, she'd kept it. Like we generally recommended you keep it in the least electrical part of your house, which is a bedroom usually. But she'd put it in the bedroom in her night table, and she had a deck phone base station sitting on top of the night table. And it had, over that couple of weeks, rendered this stuff useless. It didn't work. Then we had another lady in Florida that put her Ormus with her cell phone in her purse. Same thing, got a burn. And uh, this was only like three days later, and it didn't work. So that's how we started cluing in that there's something going on here. And then we had a third lady in Florida who'd bought Ormus, um, put it in her closet in her bedroom, and she was off somewhere for two weeks. She came back, took the bottle out of the closet, unwrapped the foil, which it's wrapped in, and the bottle was covered in oil, and the foil, the inside of the foil, had turned black, and we don't know why that had happened. And she hadn't opened the bottle. The bottle was still sealed. And once we got talking with the family, everything uh, we found everything in Florida is on the one floor. They don't have basements down there. And behind the closet was a little workshop, and about a foot from the closet was an electric water heater. So the Ormus ended up stored about a foot away from the upper element in the water heater, which is only an intermittent field and not that strong. But over the two weeks, it seemed to be enough to push the Ormus oil through the bottle, but it wasn't strong enough to push it through the foil, so it collected in between the two. So, um, you know, that may eventually become some sort of a measuring device to, uh, you know, measure Ormic materials. 
uh, they seem to be capable. The, the process of, of forcing a material through another material is called Josephson's tunneling. So, I mean, that seems to be what was going on here. So, um, it, it, a lot of what we learn is watching the effects of this. Like one of the best ways I could describe it would be, it's like you're trying to teach your five-year-old what wind is. Now, you can't show him a box of wind. It's technically, it's invisible. So you have to learn about the wind by watching what all of the effects are. Now, nobody doubts there's wind, yet nobody's ever seen it. You know, so looking at Ormus is the same sort of a, of a thing, because you see all kinds of effects from it, but it's difficult to, to nail down because when these materials are in their chemically neutral state, um, they don't analyze because our analytical equipment always measures changes of energy, and these materials don't do that. You know, so um, that's, I think that's part of why you know conventional science ignores it. It uh, huh. doesn't show on the equipment, so it can't be there. But you know, give it to a you know, a pet or something like that, or spray a dog that's got hip dysplasia and it's been sitting there for four or five hours and you see in like ten minutes it's up and walking around. So what's going on? Pets and plants don't lie, you know? Yeah, <laughs> true. Um, yeah, and I, wanna, I definitely want to get into the, the pets and plants kind of aspect of it as well, but uh, mm -hmm. so as far as EMS are concerned, you, you recommend storing it in a specific way to kind of preserve the Ormus, the Ormus material? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When we ship Ormus, all, each bottle is individually wrapped in foil. And um, if we're sending it in um, Canada or continental United States, we ship it expedited, which is truck freight. Because if it goes air, I mean, if we're shipping to Hawaii or something, obviously it has to go air. We further package it inside um, steel tins, metal tins, like cookie tins or biscuit tins. So mm -hmm. it's wrapped in aluminum and in a biscuit tin. And then we also label these as an organic food supplement because, and there's a sticker we put on the boxes because there is a, a fine for irradiating um, organic food, which is huh. what this stuff is, you know? Right? So anyway, so. So we put the stickers on those boxes as well, and um, it seems to be very well respected. Um, you know, we haven't had any problems shipping it. Um, the reason we got into the stickers was because we had a couple of bottles that um, blew up when they were put into the New York area, and well, actually three occasions. And it turned out that there's um, like a level two metal penetrating X-ray that was put into the Postal Service in New York. I guess because of, you know, 9-11 and the UN and all that stuff. So I guess when they couldn't see through the um, aluminum foil, it went to level two, and the metal penetrating x-ray ended up causing the bottoms to break off the bottles. But it did another interesting thing. It left all kinds of gold sand-colored residue in the bottles and on the foil paper. And so it looks like the, that particular frequency that the post office was using called, caused some of the Ormus gold to revert back to physical gold. So, um, oh, wow. That's crazy. I tried to get an analysis done on that, and I don't know what happened because the guy disappeared with our samples, and we've never heard from him again. So I don't know. Huh. That's really weird. 
and interesting. There's a lot of weird, a lot of weird <laughs> stuff follows this around, you know. Yeah. Um, so, in in the uh, introduction, I talked, I mentioned that we have, I believe, it was five percent of our nervous systems and uh, brain are of, of of ormic material. Is that correct? Yeah, that that's based on uh, work that David Hudson did, and what they did is they actually took. Um, I uh, said they went to Safeway and they took pigs and calves' brains, and they brought them back and they went through the whole chemical procedure, and they rendered these things right down and extracted the ormic materials from it, and he determined that by dry weight. Now, this is pigs and calves brains, but I mean, you know, we're probably not all that much different percentage-wise. But anyway, um, he came up with a figure of uh, 5% of the dry weight of the human brain and nervous system are composed of materials in this ormic state. So it's a material that needs to be there. As I say, it's like the telephone poles holding the wire. Mm-hmm. And some of the things, once you look at this, some of the things that aren't explained... Um, are beginning to show patterns. For example, there's about 5 million cell phone ear tumors being serviced today and no explanations. We think what's happening is that the fields generated by these cell phones are actually repelling the ormus material. They're pushing it away. It's like when the purified white gold, you bring a magnet to it, it actually jumps away from the magnet. It's anti-magnetic. So we think that the cell phone may be causing the ormic material to be repelled away from the area of the generated source. And if this material is working in an internal communications capacity, which it appears to be, so now what you're doing is you're sending the little communications guy, the little warehouse manager, you're pushing him away from where he needs to be. And whether this material is what oversees the cleanup of the deviant cells we all produce or is part of the the mechanism of it, regardless, it looks like we're disabling that cleanup mechanism to be able to clean up the deviant cells or damaged cells that we continually produce. So why else would these, these, you know, I mean, there's 5 million of these and there's no explanation. Come on. I think we're on the road to 50 million right now. And we've seen it repel the ormic material out of the bottles in those three examples that I gave you earlier. So we know it pushes this stuff away. Hmm. So once you look at that, that also explains how and why magnetic jewelry works. See, people have been selling this forever and ever, but nobody knows why it works. What we think happens is if you have a sore wrist, for example, and you put on a magnetic bracelet depending on the strength of the magnet, you'll fiddle with it and you'll position it where you get the most relief. And we think what's happening is the magnetic field is pushing the ormus both down your arm and up your arm, and you will adjust it to where you get the most relief because the position of the bracelet will cause a concentration on the painful area of the ormic material because it pushes it there. And that's why you get the relief. And that's why we think magnetic jewelry and insoles and all these things actually work. Magnetic treatments work because they're actually pushing the ormic materials away from the source of the magnet. Hmm. You know? Yeah, it's another another whole area that really needs, you know, 
more bureaucratic types, uh, you know, sitting down there and doing all the numbers and so on. But um, I think I think that's the the pattern. But uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting you share that too because uh, several years ago I used to read meters for the electric company, and I would walk on a daily basis, walk you know quite a few miles and jump fences and you know. Um, just a lot of walking, and I wasn't at that point in my life. I wasn't eating too healthy. It was kind of like TV dinners and potato chips was was my was my day to day, you know, uh, diet. And uh, over time, it really wore down my knees. So my knees started to kind of. Um, I, I eventually I, it got to the point where I was in pain each day when I was walking and doing my job, until I finally just said, you know, I'm done. I'm quitting this job, and I just quit out of the blue. Um, but what was interesting was that about a I want to say it was about a year after. I um uh I still had pain in my knees. You know, I wasn't I wasn't walking nearly as much. I wasn't there wasn't anything like that. And I was eating healthier too at this time. Um but I still had some pain in my knees and they weren't fully recovered. And I got this uh magnetic um uh, like knee brace that basically put it was like I think I want to see it has four magnets. So there's two magnets on the front side of the knee and two magnets on the back side of the knee. And they were supposed to line up with uh either I wanna say it was either the nerves in the knee area the, or the circulation is kind of some, it's supposed to line up basically mm-hmm. in some mm-hmm. way. And uh, when I started using this, I was a little bit skeptical, but I actually got some relief from it. And, uh, and I don't have, right now, to this day, I don't have any pain, um, you know, within my knees. They're not really fully, fully recovered, but um, I'm, def- I'm definitely not in pain or anything like that. So um, I, that is interesting. <laughs> So what you're saying is yeah. the, the Ormus gold kind of, uh, you think that it balances the kind of magnetic field within the body, if taken internally at least. Well, yeah, it, it, sure, some of it. I mean, you know, we don't know exactly which frequencies are detrimental to us. There's just as many that are beneficial. The problem is there's no research being done on this. People that did research on this kind of stuff, like Royal Rife back in the 30s and 40s, he ended up in jail. You know, they put him in jail. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the guy that ran the AMA at the time wanted to, uh, you know, buy all of his research and stuff, but that wasn't what he was into. He was a researcher, you know, so they ended up sticking this guy in jail and uh, a lot of really valuable stuff was lost. I mean, Royal Rife was the guy's name, if anybody wants to look it up. Mm-hmm. Very interesting character, and um, he'd actually found frequencies that caused things like tuberculosis bacteria to explode. And uh, he actually had films of this back in 1935. Some of that stuff's out on the Internet now. And, they, and you know, why why don't they use these things today? I mean, we know this, it worked 75 years ago, and it worked on AM radio frequencies. So, you know, and what are they they're talking about? A tuberculosis that's running all around North America right now, and you can get rid of it in as little as a few seconds. You know, you have to question... The purpose is because they don't really want to get rid of this stuff. I mean, why why would you fix somebody's oil leak in their car when you can sell them a quart of oil every day for the rest of your life? All right. That's the philosophy, you know? Right. So it's just um, when, when, when this, like people are waking up, you know, and I mean, you have to change you know, the worship of money back to integrity. It used to be that way, and it's got to go back that way because, uh, you know, no, nobody's getting any benefit from the way things are today. Mm-hmm. You know, or 
there are very few, you know. Right, right. Very yeah. few, I agree. Um, so, you, so you think is in regards to to uh, Ormic Gold? So they found that the brain and the nervous system of, of the few animals that they had done the research on was composed of Ormic materials, but um, you're kind you're kind of led to believe, kind of based on the work that you've done with Ormic Gold and or Ormic State materials and almost gold that our whole bodies are are composed of uh of the of these almost materials so wherever the almost gold looks, is applied yeah. it has yeah. the benefit it, it looks like it i mean we have an internal communication system we have an autonomic and then we've also got our the one that we control i mean these have to work somehow and i mean these are just elements of of that thing i mean you know you get a glitch in your computer nothing's going to work correctly and it's the same thing with us if we get a glitch in our system because of a shortage of an essential material there's going to be side effects from it you know and and these are natural materials if their levels get down it's not good and the levels are getting down because the quality of food is getting down I mean, when plants are regrown in the same fields over and over and over again, they're not fallowed, and each subsequent year there is less and less of the inorganic minerals in the soil to be dissolved by the plant roots and integrated into our food system, you're not getting in as much as you should be. And now with our ever-increasing exposure to electromagnetics now, because, I mean, everybody's got a cell phone, and they're carrying it on them, and... uh you know, there, there's another website, a lady named Magda Havis, and she's actually got blood pictures that show the coagulation of the hemoglobin within 10 seconds of a cell phone going off. So now the, the hemoglobin carries the oxygen. All of a sudden it coagulates into balls, and 90% of the surface transfer area for the oxygen is eliminated by the electromagnetic frequency. So especially for somebody, you know, that has cancer that's already an oxygen depletion problem, you know, and then you start using these things and, um, you know, and and you further reduce the oxygen transfer capacity of your body by 90%. I mean, what's that going to do, you know? So, I mean, you know, okay, so there's cell phones and there's deck phones and there's microwave ovens and the new little curly light bulbs that they're telling everybody to put in these energy-efficient light bulbs have a five-foot radius electrical field on them, as does any fluorescent. The clock radio beside your bed has a four-foot electrical field, and if you go to bed and that thing's two feet away from you, you are sleeping in an electromagnetic haze for the night, which has the ability to push ormic materials out of your body. We've had a number of people that have had improvements in their sleep patterns simply by removing the clock from the side of the bed without ever taking Ormus or anything else, just getting getting the offender away from you. So, I mean, there's two ways to deal with these problems. One is to reduce your exposures to these things, and the other one is to add a little bit of supplementation, you know, and try and bring these levels back up and then read your own body. You'll start to, you know, see how you feel, engage things and work things out for yourself and, you know, things they don't tell people, like the broadcast electric power meters. Sometimes that's on the wall just outside your bedroom. And, I mean, if your head is next to the outer wall and there's a meter there and you're sleeping two or three feet away from this thing, these things have a 92-foot field around them. 
you know I mean the very least if you know about this you can you know shield it with aluminum on the inside or turn the bedroom around or go to a different room or you know complain to the power company because they don't care you know they're just all about you know making money that's it you know but I mean we have to we have to learn about these things because they're definitely affecting us and they're definitely affecting our kids you know I mean, you don't mm-hmm. think about it. You you buy an electric car, and um, you know various electric cars. Well, they're good. They're good for energy and all the rest of it. But they also have a massive electrical field. And if you put your kids in, for example, in the right rear seat in the Toyota Prius, the electrical field in the right rear seat from the electrical equipment underneath that thing is like bizarre. It's enormous. So now you've got a kid on a cell phone that drives to school in an electric car and uh, has, you know, microwaved food. The microwave has a two-foot field. If it's plugged in, only plugged in. If it's turned on, it goes up to an eight- or nine-foot field. If you're in an apartment and there's another apartment opposite you and one above you and one below you, you are actually in the range of six microwave ovens if they're all equipped with one. You know, so how much... uh, you got to be aware of these things, and there's there's you know there's more and more of these coming on now. They're bringing out broadcast water meters, and they're you know the kid goes to school and he's sitting in school, and they've got very very high strength industrial Wi-Fi in the schools now, and it'll broadcast through half a dozen concrete walls. And what about the poor kid that's sitting underneath the ceiling tile right under this unit? That's why they you know a lot of schools now have six seats. If you sit in a seat underneath the uh, the router, I mean, you don't come to school the next day because you're sick and you have headaches. And like, and then, you know. So, I mean, we just got to open our eyes and look at some of these patterns. And it looks like what's happening is the ormic materials in our body are being pushed and influenced by these frequency, you know, generators. So, you know, there's more of it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, you, you make a, a great point about the electric car. When I first kind of looked at the electric cars, I'm like, oh, you know, this is great, and there's so much, you know, it, there's non-dependence on oil and this and that, but at the same time, it's creating a huge electrical field that every time you drive, you're, you know, you're, you're a part of. Um, what else is interesting, I was just at a health conference in Atlanta, and someone was speaking on uh, EMFs and, you know, these different uh, dirty, le- dirty electricity fields and whatnot. And she was saying how that, how you really don't ever want to talk on your cell phone when you're in your car because, uh, <coughs> first, of all, first of all, you're moving. So you're on your cell phone and, you're, you know, your EMFs are, you know, near your head. And then you're in a huge metal box, basically. And then this signal has to follow you. So it's like, it's all this EMFs are kind of bouncing around inside of your car while you're on the phone. Um, so it's like, it's kind of even amplified even more. So um, one thing I do now, and this is just a great tip for the listeners, is when you're not using your phone, just go into your settings and turn it on to airplane mode um, because it's it doesn't emit a signal or even receive signals. And if you're not using your phone and you don't need any, you know, you, you just want to kind of turn off the EMFs, if you will, might as well just turn the the phone on airplane mode, um, and and you know you can kind of turn that signal off at least, um, you know for at least a period of time when you're not using it. Um, but yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up yeah. because it it is interesting how that you know affects our bodies and 
our energy levels and you know the omic state of our bodies for sure. Yeah. Well, see, anywhere you get an electric field, you'll get essentially a magnetic field as well. And we have magnetic fields. I mean, they can measure them. They can photograph them. Krillian photography photographs the energy fields around us. So, I mean, you know, when you start interfering with one field and another field, I mean, there, there's a lot of problems. And certain frequencies are compounded. Like, most of the human being operates between 0 and 100 cycles. Our frequency, you know, and regular standard household current is, uh, you know, 60 cycles. I mean, one of the interesting things you can do, if you take a magnet off your fridge and hold it about a sixteenth of an inch away from the burner on your electric stove, you can turn the burner on and you will feel the magnet start to oscillate at 60 cycles. And most people we've tried this with actually... A lot of them will drop the magnet because they think they're getting an electric shock, but they aren't. Then when they go wow. back and check it the second time, you'll find the magnet's vibrating, and that electric field pulsed off your electric stove at 60 cycles is causing a magnet to vibrate between your finger and thumb. Now, how much of that field is actually causing problems within us, you know, or interfering you know, the point is nobody knows. Nobody looks right. at it. And now they've brought out these new um, convection stoves or induction stoves, they call them. And they're essentially an open-ended microwave under every burner. This is part of why you have to use magnetic cookware. They won't work. So now you've literally got, I have no idea what they're using for shielding on these things, but you're adding four more microwaves into your living environment. You know, another curiosity that's been around on the net a little bit and so on is you can take um, a sample of water you would use on some flowers or whatever, split it in two, microwave one half of it up to a boil, let it cool down again, and then whenever you use that split sample on different plants, you'll find that the plants uh, that are given the microwave water, um, you know, they, they don't do very well or they die, you know, in a few days. So something's going on, and what we think's happening is that the strong electric field from the magnetron in the microwave is pushing the ormus material out of the water. So H2O alone it doesn't seem to be enough to support life. It has to have this ormic material with it. And when you separate it in that manner, this is what you're doing. You're depleting the, uh, the water of the ormic material. Hmm. Very interesting. So on, on that note, this is a good, good time to ask this question. Um, with, with Ormic, with Ormus Gold and, you know, kind of delivering that Ormic ability to a plant, do you just kind of put Ormus Gold, uh, in water and then you water a plant in order for it to, to grow better? Yeah, um, yeah, you can soak seeds. I mean, if they're larger seeds, they're easier to soak before you plant them. When we do that, we just soak seeds overnight in uh, in Ormus. You can use uh, about one teaspoonful, uh, which would be like a day's dosage. You can use that in a... If you're soaking seeds, maybe just put it into like half a liter of water. And you can just keep, you know, reusing that or just adding a little bit of water if it starts to dry up on you. And you can... Uh, do quite a lot of seeds. Uh, if you're doing sprouts, same thing. Um, you know, start them in the ormus. 
uh, you'll find they'll germinate usually a little quicker and a little bigger than what you're used to. Um, if you're just, uh, you know, like indoor house plants or something like that, mix, uh, you know, a teaspoonful of ormus in, uh, well, two, two to four quarts of water. And, um, you know, it just depends on what you're watering. And just do a normal watering. Uh, you generally only have to do that like once once per season. If they're outdoors, if you're doing indoor tropicals, maybe you want to do it three times a year. But that that's all you need to do, that one teaspoonful in a gallon of water three times a year. And even this time of year, you'll start to see differences in house plants in three to four weeks. Um, if you give... Um, one thing you were asking there, too, was about the amount of time um, I was going to mention to you. Um, uh, a fellow named Geckler in Florida was doing some uh, electroencephalogram testing, EEG, and they found that um, people who took Ormus while they were hooked up onto an EEG, it started to show... Uh, the beginning of the balancing of the right and left brain electrical activity in the alpha and theta ranges in about two hours. Um, Physically, one of the ways you can see that is if you uh, give about eight drops of Ormus and put it into your aquarium. If you're into that and you know your fish, you'll actually see a change in the nature of your aquarium in about two hours. So uh, there was other testing done in 2003 at the Lugano Institute in Switzerland, and they found similar results as well. So, you know, it's it, there's little bits and pieces here and there, and it's all a matter of, you know, collecting these pieces of information together as they come available, because, again, there's there's no money in this. There's no university studies anywhere in the world on Ormus, so mm-hmm. at least not yet. But uh, hopefully, Yeah, hopefully in the future... Uh, with with so the the Ormus gold that you ingest for for you know health reasons and benefits, uh, that's the same Ormus that you use for plants. Yeah, plants um, don't seem to uh, really differentiate too much. We make six different variations of Ormus. Um, one was the gold. Another one has uh, gold rhodium and iridium. Um, two we make out of seawater and that. The plants don't seem to care. Um, we found that different people will have, you know, slightly different responses depending on their degree of shortage. You know, so um, there's certain certain ones that are more preferential for people at different stages, but uh, plants seem to be pretty happy with any of them. Huh. Have you ever seen any plants that have any kind of like uh, disease? I know some plants, like for example, I have a bonsai tree right now, and it just started to get uh, little kind of dots on the leaves. And I know I believe that's a, a fungal kind of infection on, on the um, plant. Have you seen any any plants kind of get rid of infections or kind of diseases with almost gold? Mm, I can't. Well, see, I don't really do a lot with plants, so I can't say I've actually seen plants getting rid of anything they've already got. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we do see is that plants that are started out with ormic materials tend to grow quite a bit larger. Um, they tend to have, like, well, we grew rhubarb here at our house, and we had leaves that were 35 inches across. And at the <laughs> same time, we had these rhubarb stalks uh, the stalk, if you went to the organic market uh, here in Peterborough, 
uh, you had to buy a little clutch of about 10 or 12 stocks to get the same volume as one of these stocks at the same time of the year. And, you know, we brought some of this in and we cut a lot of pieces. We had a lot of people try it. And you could actually eat this rhubarb without sugar. It was still mm-hmm. a bit tart, but certainly not like the stuff you were buying. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and it was very tender. There was no woodiness to it. You would have expected something to be woody that was that much larger, but it just wasn't the case. Yeah, uh, that's know, right. That's... Yeah, we've seen lots of little accidents. Like we grew, um, we grew some morning glories in our backyard. And one side we soaked the seed with Ormus, the other one we didn't. And when the flowers come out, um, you know, the one was just fine. It was, had nice, nice flowers in that, and they were about maybe two and a quarter inches in diameter, which was usually normal for most of the morning glories that I've seen. And the one we soaked the seeds in had uh, all the flowers were over four inches, and the leaves for the morning glory on the soaked plant were up to like six and a half and seven inches across, where the other plant they were about three or three and a half. So you know, and then then Ricky went out I guess the end of July that year, and watered both the morning glories with an Ormus water mix, and uh, some of that actually got into you know the white. Uh, clover in the lawn that was you know close to the trellis and we ended up with white lawn clover that's normally about six inches high this stuff was uh 17 inches high and the little three leaf cluster on the clover was about six and a half inches across instead of being like one right wow so we got we got pictures of that uh, there's some pictures of some of that on, on one of our our uh, videos yeah uh, definitely like to see that um, so, so from what you've seen, basically the plants and, and different things have had kind of an increase in growth anywhere from 50% to 300% kind of. Um, yeah, I don't know if I go quite, I would say more like uh, 20 to about 150%. Okay. You know? But I mean, we've only done, you know, tried it with a few things, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it's hard to say, and it, it's even harder. We 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 did one crop of hay. We mixed up Ormus and did 50 acres of hay. But, it, again, it's hard to say because the following year was a wetter year. And, right. And uh, we had a very, very dry year last year. So we did all this up and we did uh, sprayed all the hay <clears throat> about 6 o'clock in the morning. And it was on a morning where it was a bit overcast because, um, you know, it had been so ridiculously dry that we didn't want to spray this stuff and and not get down to the roots of the plant. So this was like a damper morning and so on, and there was a dew and so on. So that was when we sprayed it. Now this year, the yield from the same field was, uh, last year there was 65 round bales, and this year there was 100 and, uh, like it was 100 and, 130 or 140. Wow. But that said, we had a lot more water this year, a lot more rain. Okay. So, you know what uh-huh. I mean? You can't really make a direct comparison to it, you know, because, uh, again, rain is very important stuff. So, you know right. what I mean? So you have to kind of do these things for a period of time in a bunch of different fields and, you know, and, and have something to compare. But, I mean, you know, there's only the two of us here. We only have so much time and <laughs> We really haven't got any time much anymore. Mm-hmm. 
I have one uh, well, one idea that's kind of interesting. I don't know if you thought of this before, but uh, because electromagnetic frequencies and all these uh, electric fields, dirty electricity, all this kind of stuff affects our magnetic fields and our and our polar fields and that kind of thing, and our and our ormic fields and all these different fields within our body, basically. It'd be interesting to take someone and have them go into nature away from all of these EMFs and all that kind of stuff and then just take Ormus Gold and then see the effects that they would have, you know, even for like one week, just in nature, away from everything, so away from the offenders and then kind of building their body back up with those Ormus materials. Um, have you have you seen it or heard anything in those regards? Well, we've seen like a... Uh a few things um but again you know it's all bits and pieces of things because um you know who can really do that and there's nowhere you can go on the planet anymore to get out of ems not at all i mean barry that originally taught us this he actually overhauled his house i think in 1998 and he aluminum lined all of the walls in his house and then put in the insulation and then his drywall and whatever. So everything had a coating of aluminum in his house. And people that came there in, you know, 99 and 2000, they would come in, go to use their cell phone. It wouldn't work. But by about 2006, he didn't have that anymore because anybody that came to his house, the cell phone worked. So cell phones have been redesigned a number of times to make them more powerful. And uh, like... If you buy a, a phone now, they generally have two antennas wrapped around the outside of the phone. So when you mm-hmm. hold the phone, the phone utilizes the moisture in your body as part of the antenna. Oh, wow. Simply, simply by holding the phone. One of the other things, if you remember a few years ago, they were advertising, you know, no dropped calls, come to our service, less dropped calls. Well, what they did is they redesigned the cell phone so that it actually didn't shut off when you turned it off what it still did was relay messages through it. So this is how you can be in a stainless steel elevator inside a hotel and still use your cell phone. Because what it's doing, I mean, even if the signal's greatly reduced, you know, it's going to relay through the bellhop cell phone and the guy walking down the hall and somebody in the, you know. So this is how they work. So what they essentially did by redesigning the cell phone was add 5 billion relay transmitters to the face of the planet. So, huh. I mean, so off isn't off. Right. I mean, one of the things interesting on Magda's website is she has a fellow there who is electromagnetically sensitive. All right? And he he's on a table, like he's on a, a bed laying down, he's blindfolded and what have you, and there's a cell phone within five feet of him. Now, he can't hear it or anything. But as soon as the cell phone goes off, his heartbeat jumps 100 beats a minute. Wow. And as soon as the cell phone's hung up, it returns down to normal. You know? So, I mean, it takes a few minutes, but this is what's happening. And then they've they've sort of discovered that about 3% of the population is highly sensitive to these fields, and about 30% of the population is reactive to varying degrees. And I have a feeling that as they keep increasing these electromagnetics, that more and more this percentage is going to get larger and larger, both in those affected and those that are seriously affected. So again, this is a pattern that's been putting itself together for decades. Mm -hmm. And nobody's doing a damn thing about it because 
you know, I mean, governments and so on, I mean, there is no problem. Because if they admitted there's a problem, then they have to do something about it, and they don't want to do anything. You know, right. No bureaucrat wants to actually do any work. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> contradiction in terms. It's an oxymoron. Right. It's in, yeah, it's interesting you say that, too, because not only are the cell phones becoming more powerful, and I'm, it's interesting you shared it in that kind of way, because I haven't heard that before, but also we have more devices, so we have a, a, a laptop, an iPad, a cell phone, a, a bigger TV that emits more EMFs. And then on top of that, there's, there's more cell phone towers because, you know, they want to give their customers better reception, which is understandable, but at the same time, it's not healthy for everyone involved. Or everyone, well, that, you know. yeah. As of a few months ago, the United States had 1.7 million cell phone towers and relay antennas. Wow. There's a there's a website in the in the US called antennasearch.com and you can put your address in there and it will show you how many of these units are within 4 miles of where you live. Mhm. Wow. You know, and um you know again we've seen we've seen other things that are ridiculous. Uh we had a young gal lived in uh Columbus, Ohio and she somehow got onto the Ormus, I guess, searching because she had a baby that was, um, what was he? He was three years old, and he was in chronic pain for two years, and he had stopped growing. Now, she'd been to the docs and the specialists, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody knew what was going on, and she'd got onto this, uh, found out about Ormus and called us. And I mean, I had no idea. I said, you know, <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's possible. We talked about electromagnetics and that. And, um, you know, then we had, uh, we sent her some Ormus. And uh, her biggest problem was this three-year-old because he was always in pain. She always had to carry him and coddle him and all the rest of it. And once she gave him some Ormus, uh, she said within within a few minutes he was down on the ground playing like an average three-year-old. And I guess we talked to her a few months after that again, and apparently he had started growing again. So, I mean, you know, again, you're getting anecdotal stuff from, a, you know, a worried mother. But, I mean, she's the one that told us about the antenna search uh, website because she started doing her own searching. And she found that where she lived, she was within four miles of 88 towers and relay antennas. And there was one cell phone tower um, about a football field length from her apartment. So, wow. I mean, could these be the things that are setting off her child? And could the mechanism for that have been the loss of ormic materials? You know, yeah. between electromagnetics and, and food or combinations thereof? You know, we don't know for mm -hmm. sure, but it sure looks like it, you know? Right. There, there's a movie, a British movie called Resonance Beings, if anybody wants to look that up, came out in 2012, and they found an interesting thing because um, there's a village in Britain that had 132 people living there, and a cell phone antenna or, or tower was put in, and within, uh, I forget exactly how many years, but within a few years, 102 of those 132 residents developed cancer. That's a hell of a percentage. That's 72%. Mm -hmm. You know? So yeah. I don't care what these people say. 
I mean, there's the pattern. And don't tell me your stuff is safe. You mm-hmm. know? Because, yeah, and I think you know, those, those are great yeah. questions to ask, too. Like you said, she had a, a cell phone tower football field away from her house and, you know, mm-hmm. the issues her son was having. I mean, even if you are skeptical of this information, it's something, you know, you have to be open and ask those questions. You know, is could this be an issue? Could this cause... Um, learning stunt learning and stunt growth and you know all these different things so there's a lot of uh, questions that can be asked and that can be looked well, into and there, I think there, yeah, there's a lot of answers out there too when you start looking mm-hmm. because I mean there was uh, I remember a couple of years ago looking at some very good videos of a guy panning along the side of his house in California and you could see the growth. He had the same kind of plant growing all the way along the side of the house. And you could see the decimation of the plant in worse and worse stages the closer it got to the broadcast electric meter. So from the front of the house, you panned, and you got actually to the meter. There was no living leaves on the branches. And as you passed the meter, again, there was no living leaves on the branches. And as you got farther and farther from the meter you know, the more luxuriant the plant was. Hmm. You know, I mean, there, there's a lot of this stuff around. We just have to open our eyes and look at it and mm-hmm. then ask why, you know? Yeah. And if we don't... Go ahead. Yeah, I just if we don't ask these questions and pay attention to this stuff and not accept the bullshit from these people, I mean, you can you can look. you got your own eyes. you got your own brain. Use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think one thing too that's kind of interesting is that I think we all have had an experience that uh, we know EMFs have affected us. So, uh, for me, for example, if I'm on the if I'm on my cell phone uh, for any any time over you know 35 40 minutes, I start to get a slight headache, and so I, I try to keep my phone conversation shorter, you know, and and that kind of thing. So. Um, and I know people, for example, you know, a lot of people, it's common if they're on the computer too long, they get a headache or, um, you know, uh, just around technology. I, even one time, and this is kind of funny, going back to the reading meters story, um, I, I never really felt healthy the whole time I read electric meters. I was walking from electric meter to electric meter to electric meter. And I remember one time, actually, I had to read a, a cell phone tower's uh, electrical output. So I, I literally had to walk you know, right below a, a cell phone tower and it was the only time in my life I've ever done that, even been that close. And I was walking around looking for the meter for probably five minutes. And within that time period, I got a massive headache. Like, I just didn't feel good. And I had to, I was just like, I have to get, you know, get away from this tower. And thankfully, I knew about EMFs at the time. So I was, you know, trying to read it quickly. But, um, but yeah, knowing this information, I think, is important because then we can start to distance ourselves from technology um, and at least learn how to utilize it in a better way and not have it affect us in such well, a negative there, way. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of things we can do. Okay. One of the, see, we're not, I don't want to scare people, okay? I want to make people aware and get them mm-hmm. thinking. All right. So you can move your bedroom around if you've got a power meter on the wall. That's short term, but you can do it. You can turn off. You can go back to incandescent lamps, or even LED lamps are about one fifth the field of the of the little curly lamps, and neither one of those has mercury in it. The the uh, curly fluorescents have mercury in it, which is another thing you don't need in your house. Um, 
little things like that. If you use a cell phone and you have to, you can buy those those earbuds, the wire, or there's actually something I think they called it earbuds or something, and it works like a stethoscope. It actually has an air tube going up to your ear, so you don't need to have this transmitter right beside your head. Uh, for some people, there's a company called Global Star satellite if you google global star satellite 39 dollars it's a satellite phone company that's trying to come in with a low-end phone and get into the into the cell phone market but these satellite companies have been awarded some of the old television you know the uh, television frequency ranges so they're not away up in the six megahertz or whatever it is they're down into the old television frequencies and they read pretty well on test meters and so on, you know, way better than a cell phone. Um, put a landline. That's what I'm talking on right now is a landline in our house. I don't have any Wi-Fi. I have, uh, I went to Walmart and for $29 I bought a thing that works like um, you just plug your Ethernet cables in it. So sure, you got to run a cable here and there, but so what? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, run it to where you're comfortable and sit on your computer. Um, you know, we have uh, crystals specially grounding on the water pipes in our house. Um, you know, I mean, there, there, there's a lot of, of things that you can do. I have a, we have a Schumann frequency generator in our house. In fact, it's sitting right beside me, generating 7.83 hertz. And that's the field of that is enough that it covers our entire house. Because we're making Ormus here. And I mean, it's really important to us that it's absolutely the best that it can be. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's the physical side to Ormus, but there's a very spiritual side to Ormus too because when you release these materials from where they've been in these ancient salts, they pick up all the energy. It's almost like a newborn baby. They pick up all of the energy of me, if I'm making it, and the environment and the house and so on. I mean, this is a very, very important part of it. It's, it's probably half or more. You know, it's very important because then these things are imbued with what's been released. For people that are familiar with um, Masuro Emoto's work, the fellow that was freezing the water crystals in Japan, um, they had they had one story about water samples they took in the morning and then they took some more in the afternoon, and in between times this lake had been blessed with by a Shinto priest. The morning samples did not freeze into pristine crystals. The afternoon ones did. We think that it is probably the Ormus in the water that accepted the intent of the priest and restructured the the water accordingly. We think the Hmm. Ormus is working in the communications aspect of this. Um, Hmm. there's There's a Russian movie called Water that was made in 2007 it's usually up on the internet too the Russians believe that each molecule of water has 400,000 memory plates water is not understood at all water is a real anomaly now if the Shinto priest can bless the lake and change these samples to where it shows up in freezing where does that leave us we're 70% water you know babies are 90% water yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's time, you know, give our hands yeah, a shake. Yeah. I mean, you go to the doctor and they're treating all of this stuff and they're giving you chemicals that don't belong in the human body. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can go anywhere on this planet and you cannot find a living soul 
that was born with a shortage of Tylenol. Yeah. It's not there. True. You know? yeah. So the first and, thing they do is give you all these things that don't belong in you. And, you know, most of these guys have three weeks training on prescription medicine because that's what they get in their course. And unless they go and really dig into it and take courses afterwards, but they can't because the system doesn't allow them. You know, they, they get through their course, they get the prescribed material, and they leave school with $150,000 in debt. And then they've got to set up a practice. And most of these guys are younger where they want to get married and start setting up families. So these people are essentially under extreme financial duress for the next 20 years of their life. And all Mm -hmm. the patterns are set by then. And they're all set by the people organizing the teaching protocols and the drug companies, which supervise all this, you know. So they don't know. They don't have the opportunity because doctors become doctors because they care most of them. And the thing is that the facility that allows them to do this is essentially denied to them, you know? And that mm-hmm. that's where the real shame is because, you know, you got some really wonderful people here that mean really well, you know? Yeah. And, it's uh, it's a, real quick, it's interesting you say about how the majority of our bodies is water and we know that, you know, that water communicates and, you know, that... Uh, you believe that ormic materials is what communicates, but we still don't know much about water even, and, and most of our bodies are water, so obviously we, we still have a lot to learn about you know, ourselves and, and, that, and that kind of regard and aspect. Um, I, I do have a question for you that I was going to ask, and this is probably going to be the last question because i got to get uh, wrapping the interview up here. But um, the question is, is in regards to colloidal silver, I know a lot of, a lot of people are familiar with colloidal silver, and that's kind of a... A form of silver that is uh, it's a different form of silver basically for uh, and I know it's like antibacterial and um, it has uh, immune boosting benefits and this kind of stuff um, so is there any kind of correlation of, of ormus gold and colloidal silver is that kind of a similar kind of way to look at it in some regard not really no because uh, colloidal colloids are very tiny particles of the metal Okay. So when you make colloidal silver, you will use a silver wire in water, and you'll have a cathode and an anode, you'll pass an electric current through it, and the silver wire will be sacrificed to the water, and you'll see this cloud coming off the silver wire. Okay, so what it is, if you looked under a microscope, you would find extremely tiny particles of silver. Silver is highly toxic to bacteria. That's why it works really well but it is not ormic. It's just tiny particles of the metal. Mm-hmm. Okay? So when we make ormus, we will dissolve salts. Uh, Dead sea salt will dissolve that in spring water because spring water has the most life in it. And then we will precipitate this out with lye. All right? Now, lye has been around forever and ever, and that's what you do. And you'll take it up to a very high alkaline. We take it up to about 107 and that causes the precipitate to form out of the salt and out of the spring water. So the water adds something to it, because there's, there's ormus in spring water. That's where all this stuff comes from. But anyway, so you know, we'll do that procedure, and then we'll do washes to reduce the lye down to about pH 8, which is very good. It's a good alkalizer for the, for the body. And... Um, 
and that takes you know most of the nasty salt taste and stuff out of it as well. But that said, that same protocol occurs in nature. So they they made for eons they made lye from wood ash and water. Okay, and we looked for you know parallels in nature with this. So when a forest burns down, you're left with a wood ash, and then it rains. So now there's the water and the wood ash getting hit and mixed up in various patterns by the rain falling, the angle, of direction, the speed, what have you. And what happens that they've never been able to explain is that after a forest fire, there's a prolific regrowth for, for three or four years. And what's happening is the rain and the, and the wood ash are causing pockets of high alkaline lye, which is releasing the material back to the environment from the ash. And that's what's causing... The prolific regrowth is the ormic material being released from exactly the same materials that we use to release it. Hmm. And the same thing in your body. When you need magnesium and you need iron and you need a little bit of copper and all the rest of it, you digest this in your stomach at pH 1.5, which is highly acidic. And these metals are dissolved into salts in the stomach. And then what happens, the digested material then passes to the small intestine. And right at that point, there's a tube from the duodenum that injects pH 10 plus material. So your body is actually causing the acid alkali reaction. The copper's dissolved into the salts, and this 10 plus material now releases this these dissolved metals in their ormic biological form, their white powder form. So this is what's going on. We actually have the mechanism within this to do this. So what happens, somebody's got, oh, I've got, you know, heartburn, and off they go. And every drugstore you go to, one of the biggest shelves in the place is all these antacids. As soon as you start taking antacids, you start screwing up the acid-alkali reaction in your stomach, and you stop releasing some of these ormic materials to your system. So now what you're doing is creating the circumstances for loss of more of these materials in a whole downstream barrage of side effects you know and yet they're out there mm-hmm. peddling all this stuff and they don't know why you know mm-hmm. usually if you have heartburn you need to take something more acidic to get the digestion working not the opposite you know mm-hmm. but that's 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 the conventional thinking and it gives you relief because what you've done is nullify the stomach acid but you've also stopped the uh, the proportions of the acid alkali reaction from working correctly Allopathic mm-hmm. medicine says that uh, that material is to prevent the stomach acid from chewing up the intestines. But I think nature's already thought of it. We're just not paying attention. Yeah, it's interesting. I've never I've never heard that. Uh, you know, the the burning and the ash and the ormic material like that. It's very interesting. So it, so basically, this process kind of happens. And it does happen naturally in nature. It's a it's a natural yeah. kind of life cycle. Um, Absolutely. I mean, and the, the more, once you start looking at it through these eyes from the Ormus perspective, it starts to explain a lot of other things, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, Is uh, there any... We, mm-hmm. Go ahead, sorry. No, it's okay. I, I just get rambling on sometimes. <laughs> I was just wondering, uh, for our listeners that are interested, is are you going to, do you sell this uh, Ormus Gold online, the Ormus Gold that you create? Um, yes, we do. Uh, we got a, a, a website called humanagold.ca. Um, okay. 
Originally, we thought we were going to be teaching people how to do this because there was going to be this whole fantastic, incredible interest in people who would want to do this themselves. So, But most people seem to just want to buy it. For anybody that wants to learn how to make it, you know, we're absolutely happy to teach them. We've got to copy and paste for all the bits and pieces and ingredients and things you got to get together to get started. And uh, we coach people over the phone and various things. And, you know, we do workshops here and there and do demonstrations of it and so on. So, you know, it's all about getting the knowledge out. Anybody's free to use any of the information on our website. Um, the only thing we ask is that when they do these things and when they work with this material, they do it all with the intent of the most benevolent outcome for anyone involved. You know, if somebody's looking for to make a quick buck, it really doesn't seem to want to work because the Ormus seems to pick up this information too. So if there's good intent, it seems to work well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's interesting. It's funny yeah. material. Yeah, it's it really is alive. I mean, for for what it does, it's it's uh, it has the, there's a consciousness around it, it's, it isn't, and it's really interesting you know, to experiment yeah. with it. And, well, um, we, we we think that Orma's gold may be actual consciousness itself. We think Ormus gold may be this so-called god god particle that they're looking for. I mean, huh. there are a few reasons for this. I mean, you know, it takes a while to get into all this stuff, but you know, it's like we've made the same fluffy white cloud-like precipitate. Um, you know, we, we've we've made this out of several different kinds of crystals. Um, you know, we'd pound them up and we'd do something called a dry lye burn. We'd pound them all up, take them down to a fine powder, mix them with layers of lye, of lye crystals, and then burn the whole thing at, you know, 13 to 1600 degrees, and then do it with well, just a boil. You know, the resident material fuses into stuff that looks like stone, and then you do a boil and extract the material out of it in the boil, and then you do the precipitate, and you get the same beautiful white material. It doesn't matter what what you're doing. We've done five, six, seven different kinds of crystals so far, and pure copper powder, and you know. Mm-hmm. So it looks like ormic material is in everything. You know, we we come up with the idea, and we thought um, when someone goes to Native Sweat Lodge, they have a protocol where they will heat up you know, maybe 15 or 20 stones in a fire, and they will burn these stones until they're glowing red. And these are usually stones that are six, seven, eight inches across. And then they'll take them in with a pitchfork, put them down in the sand in sweat lodge, and then they will do their ceremonies and so on. And these stones will sit there, and they will glow for 24 to 36 hours. Now, I thought, well, I, I never knew about this. Ricky told me about this. When those stones are finished glowing, there's nothing left except white ash, white light powdered ash, and this comes from granite or limestone. It doesn't seem to matter what. When they do their burn procedure, this is what they end up with. So I thought, well, gee, maybe there's a lot of ormus left in the ash, so let's go get some of the ash and and try so we asked a native group and they said absolutely take some ash and see what happens and when we did the procedure on that we got absolutely nothing 
There was no Ormus in this ash whatsoever. So it looks like their burn protocol parallels the temperatures of volcanoes or forest fires, and it releases the ormic material from the stones into the sweat lodge, and we think that might be the reason for their, you know, their, their healings and their spiritual experiences and all the rest of it, because they're in an extremely rich ormus atmosphere, and they're releasing it from the protocols that they burn a stone. Huh. I wow, think this is what's going on, you know? Yeah, yeah. so I mean, and it, it makes sense too because it's enclosed like that, so it's holding it's holding that in that environment for them to breathe and you know be immersed in. Exactly, um, you know. Definitely interesting. Yeah. So well, if if we if we can release like a gallon of white precipitate from two little rose quartz stones that are just slightly bigger than golf balls, what do you think they're releasing? from maybe, you know, like 175 pounds of stones that are burnt in the fire. Mm-hmm. Huge yeah. impacts, you know? Well, uh, it's it's been an amazing interview, and I'd love to have you back on the show. Um, one thing that uh, I would encourage the listeners to do is, um, you know, really just take a look at these the, the, the videos and the websites and the information that um, David shared in this interview because I think it's really valuable, and he's obviously a really resourceful person. Um, so for once again just for the listeners uh, what what is your website where they can find you it's humanagold h-u-m-a-n-n-a g-o-l-d and that's dot c-a we're in Canada awesome and they can uh, order the the Ormus Gold and talk to you there as well right oh absolutely you know read through this stuff and any questions you know um, we're happy to send it and we got Extra links that uh, have other, you know, various interviews that cover various aspects and so on. So awesome. we're happy, happy to send out anything people need. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time tonight, and uh, enjoy the rest of your night, David. Oh, thank you. It's been a good time. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye now. And we'll wrap the show with that, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure to like the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash healthy, wild, and free.